0: To the Badass Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Fox. Today I'm going to be talking about writer's block and imposter syndrome. For most writers, there are inevitably times when the words just don't come. Some people refer to this as writer's block, although some people prefer not to use that term. I'm not going to tell you that there's no such thing because that's not my place to tell you there is or there isn't. Each writer has their own preference. But what is it that people don't like about it? Some people think it's a myth, just putting a name to the fact that you don't know what to do, you don't know what to write, you don't feel like writing, and rather than dealing with that and working it out, a name is just slapped on there like a band-aid and we can temporarily dispose of the situation. I personally don't mind the term. I like to give names to things and feelings because I don't like the uncertainty that comes with not naming it. When I feel writer's block, I know what it is and then I can do something about it. For me, naming it isn't being lazy, it's helpful. Whether you choose to name it or not, the issue will happen. It happens to pretty much all of us in one form or another. What's important to know is that there are different ways to tackle the problem so it doesn't haunt you for a few weeks or even months at a time. Otherwise, it'll just be a nagging little gnat that won't go away. We all have these great ideas and aspirations and expectations, but we can't get there if all we do is keep dreaming about them and never getting anywhere. Personally, I think it's okay to take a bit of a planned time off from your writing, just like a vacation from a job, although I am not suggesting that you think of your writing as a job. I think this in itself can help avoid writer's block if you're giving your mind that mental break that it needs. But when you do lose your oomph and need to get back into the swing of things, it can be hard to find that motivation sometimes. The more we stress about it, the worse it gets. And when we lack the motivation, that's when this enigma settles down on us. We'll hear more about this in today's author interview segment, but for now, let's look at some ways to battle that block. One, take a walk. Walking isn't just good for the body. It's also good for the soul and for the mind. Breathe in some fresh air. Take in the sights and sounds and smells around you. Use your senses. It's good to get some exercise and get the blood pumping through your body, but here's what I suggest. While you're walking, take in your surroundings through the eyes of one of your characters. What do they notice? What does it make them think about, and why? Number two, grab a notepad and a pen and do some brainstorming. Pick a word that describes a scene or a chapter in your book, or even a character. Come up with as many words or phrases that have to do with that word as you can. Then use a thesaurus to pick out some other words and write down the ones that really resonate with you. For one, you might learn a new word. And secondly, you'll come up with a whole list of words that you can use to describe things or characters in your book. And not only that, sooner or later, the words will start stringing sentences together in your mind. Write it all down. This is when I find the motivation has returned and I feel excited to get back into the writing. Brainstorming words can lead to ideas you didn't think of before, so it can sometimes take your scene or chapter in a total different direction and it can be really fun. Number three, Build a playlist of songs that remind you of certain parts of your work in progress. Sometimes just hearing lyrics or melodies can help jumpstart your writing mood. It can help remind you of characters and their personalities, and why they are the way that you've made them. It can make you think of certain scenes and maybe even spring ideas of things to add to them. Number four, take a step away from your work in progress and write a flash fiction story. Search Google for writing prompts if you need some help. It doesn't have to be anything to do with your story. In fact, try to purposely pick something to write about that has nothing to do with your story. This will help generate new ideas while sharpening your writing skills, and it can help put the spunk back into your writing so you can dive back into your work in progress with fresher eyes. If you don't know much about flash fiction, stay tuned for an exciting episode about flash and microfiction and short stories and an interview with flash fiction expert Tommy Dean gracing your ears on Tuesday, March 15th. Number five, read a book. Take a look at that toppling TBR and pick something you've been meaning to read for a while. Bonus if it's in the same genre you write in, which you should do a lot of anyway, because it's always good to see how other writers approach the bigger things like story structure, scene structure, voice, dialogue, character arc, backstory, time changes, fight scenes, etc. There's so much to learn. That's not to say you shouldn't forget about all of that sometimes and just read to escape into someone else's world, but seeing how others accomplish these important elements to a story can help you do it in yours. Number six, read a craft book. Is there a particular area you're struggling in? Because chances are there's a specific craft book out there for that. Whatever you call it, being unable to write can be crippling and challenging to deal with, but getting back your writing mojo is important. Another thing that all writers face at one point or another is imposter syndrome. This happens from time to time when you start losing confidence in your ability to write as good as other people. You start fearing that no one is going to want to read your writing, that you don't really know what you're doing, you can't do it like they can, someone else is going to read what you wrote and disagree and point out all your faults. It can happen when you're trying to get published or trying to find an agent and it's just not happening. It can happen when you hit that writer's block and don't know what to do. It can happen when you write yourself into a corner and you don't know how to write yourself out of it. Your story isn't going anywhere, you don't know how to end it properly, etc. It can happen when you get constructive criticism. There are many different things that can lead to imposter syndrome. And even when you first start releasing your stories into the wild and people read them and love them, you think, holy shit, can this even be real? Are they just saying that to be nice? As if some part of you believes that you don't deserve the praise. And I'm here to tell you, Take the praise. It takes a lot of will and determination to set out on a project and actually finish it, and it takes a lot of guts to present it to the world. But remember what I've said many other times you wrote a book. That's badass. So many people don't even make it that far, and even less go through with publishing it or even letting others read it at any level. The fact that you went through the process of writing, completing, sending it out for feedback, multiple rounds of revisions and edits, Learning everything as you go, applying what you've learned, going back and changing things after you've learned them, sending it out for more feedback, perfecting and polishing it, and then sending it out for potential agent rep and publication. Wow, you deserve a massive high five. Look at how far you've come. And for those of you who are just getting started, I'm glad you're here soaking in all the tips each week and sponging up all the personal experiences that writers and authors are sharing through my interviews with them because that is what's going to help you get to the next level of your writing. Determination and perseverance. Never giving up, putting in the effort, will pay off in the end. Don't compare yourself to others. As you'll hear in today's interview, you should never compare your work in progress to all the finished published novels out there, because they were once just as messy as yours is, and they went through a lot of work to get to where they are now. If your passion is strong, you can do this. You can reach your writing goals. And by surrounding yourself with supportive writers, it's going to make your journey all the better. If you experience writer's block, don't sweat it too much. Stressing about it only makes it worse. Try some different things to get yourself back in the writing mindset. Talk about it with other writers. If you're feeling impostory, share that too. And yeah, impostory is not a word, but it is now because I just made it up. Others will be feeling it and will understand exactly where you're coming from. But don't let it stop you from writing. Keep going, no matter what. Share your writing joys and sorrows. Share your goals. Share your stumbles. We've all been there, and we're here for you. Oh, and P.S. You're not an imposter. Today's guest, Joseph D. Slater, is a self-published author raised in the lonely western mountains of Maine. He is an infantry veteran who has authored three novels, The Vacation Planet, Janie, and In the Sky. After being stationed in Colorado for a few years, he moved back to Maine, where he surrounds himself with five women, his wife and four daughters, being sure that his children have a nourished and literate life. His favorite haunt is his home library, where he can be found cursing under his breath as he works on his next project. Hi, Joseph. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I'm really excited to meet you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you and your writing projects.
1: I've been writing since about the fourth grade. And I know this for a fact because I actually went back to my parents' house and I found a, a notepad that was like stapled between two pieces of construction paper. And it was this story about how I turned all my classmates into pigs and sold them to oh. Meat markets. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, somebody should have like spoken to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I, I didn't get along with a lot of kids in elementary school. So I kind of stuck to myself. I, I did a lot of artwork, but mainly I kind of, I wasn't seeing the progress with my artwork. So I kind of resorted to writing. Plus, I knew other people who wrote. So that was something I was sort of tied to. And I, I felt like I could actually watch myself grow when I was doing it. So that was something that was fun for me. I was stationed in Colorado for about five years. And I was an infantryman for that time. And that's when I started actually going towards the more horror-related aspects of writing. And not so much anymore. I kind of stumbled into being multi-genre author. I did do all horror all the time. I wasn't really mentally in the right place, I think. And writing was the thing that I had to resort to. It was kind of my outlet. It got me through a whole lot. I had a lot of mental crises that writing was there for me when uh, I felt that nobody else was. My life has gotten so much better since I've met my wife, Aubrey. She is absolutely great to me. And my life is significantly better than it's completely night and day. So that's why I think I, I kind of, go a little more sci-fi fantasy nowadays. It's just each project I do is an example of what headspace I was in. And I think that's true for any author who writes. If you look at someone who wrote something from 10 years ago, you'll see they were having regular teenage hormones and feelings of being unaccepted in social cliques and things like that. And you look at people who are much older writers and their characters get older too, as I noticed too, because Mm -hmm. you write what you know. My headspace changes so frequently that that ended up being what happened. That's kind of a little bit about me. I moved back to Maine and I'm kind of settled down now. So I've got four daughters and I've got my That's wife. awesome. And we're all like a cute little nuclear family.
0: Nice. And so what are you working on right now?
1: Right now I'm working on the series of my first book, The Vacation Planet. The Vacation Planet was so much more successful And it was so much better received than I had ever even imagined. A lot of artists in general, if they're going to show off their work, they stress about it a lot. (laughs) And I feel like the writers who publish their first book, who have their breakthrough and have their debut, I feel like those books are the best ones to read most of the time because those are what I call hungry writers. They're going to throw everything that's in them at that first book so that it can catch fire in that first release you know, that's a fire that a lot of us really need to keep. It's really important. So I try to keep that pilot light on. The fire isn't always there. The, the, you know, it's it's not. I'm not always heated up about writing, but I always try to have a little piece of me that's excited to do writing because ultimately we write because of fun. We don't need to look at it like it's work. I, I wrote my first book, The Vacation Planet. It was after watching a show called Rick and Morty, and there's a 10-second oh, yeah. clip where this family goes back to Earth, and it's inhabited entirely by aliens, and they're all wearing, like, I Love Earth t-shirts and stuff. And I saw that and said, man, that would be the coolest story. At the time, I was so into cyberpunk. I had just discovered the genre more wholly than just Blade Runner, and Mm -hmm. I realized that there's several movies and media and ways that you can absorb that universe, and I just fell in love with it. The whole aesthetic is just so appealing to me. It kind of takes a lot of the stuff that I do with horror and it allows me to add those bits to, you know, how horrific a society can be and how people can be just in general. And Edgar Allan Poe taught us that a lot of evil comes from people. So I was actually speaking to somebody and I was talking about some project uh, that is a completely random standalone novel I was going to do for National Novel Writing Month last year. And I was saying, yeah, well, you know, everybody does like my first book, but I'm just going to do my own thing. And he said, well, are people always asking you for that new thing? Or like, you know, the the sequel to it? Because I said to him, the first response I always get is, so when's the next one coming out? Because (laughs) it doesn't end on a cliffhanger, but I wanted people to ask questions at the end. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten so many questions at the end because of that, that I finally caved. And I said, okay, I'm going to work on it as a series. I'm going to flesh it out and build it. So last Mm -hmm. November, instead of the standalone project I was going to do, that's what I worked on as the second book to the vacation planet. I'm very excited about it. One of my main critiques on it was that I needed to expand on the universe more. A lot of book two is about explaining more of the world, how it works, how society is run. The social classes are so vastly different. And that was a lot of fun to do. In fact, it was like writing two different projects at a time because uh, you have these two characters who start off in this really high-end corporate lifestyle and they've got all the money in the world. And it does a couple of flashbacks where it shows where they come from and you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, the contrast is so strong, then how did they ever get to the top? And I do Mm -hmm. explain that, but basically that one is what's in the works. And later on in 2022, I'm going to try to finish off the third book and just pretty much be done with the series as a whole. I have so many projects that just come up in my head and I say, I could just knock something like that out. And so then I do, and I just move on to the next thing. It usually depends on what my hyper-focus is.
0: Well, it's good to have a variety of projects on the go, I think, because of that, right? Because you might Mm -hmm. not be in the right headspace for a particular one, but an idea might come up for another one. So that's good to have a few that you can choose from depending on Mm -hmm. your mood or or whatever's going on. So when you're drafting a story, what's your writing process like? Do you outline? Do you pants your way through them? How does that work for you?
1: I listened to a lot of your last episode where you're talking about planting. Yeah. And I related to it pretty strongly because I am a hardcore planter. Mm -hmm. I think I'm as plants as it gets. (laughs) And uh, if no one knows what I'm talking about, then maybe they should check out your last episode, right? Yeah. (laughs) And this is the same process I've had since high school, and it just works for me. Everybody has their own thing, but my thing is I will actually take, and I've got a stack of them in front of me on my desk. I call them my plot bunny books. For those of you who don't know what a plot bunny is, it's when you're in the middle of a project, or if you're too busy to work on a specific idea that comes up, Usually these ideas come up if you're in the middle of something else because you're willing to dig into something else other than what you're working on halfway (laughs) through your project. So I get these ideas. And so Stephen King does not like writing down his ideas. I'm the complete opposite. I think (laughs) eventually when I get older, I am going to start running out of ideas. And I'm going to say, oh my God, I used to have so many when I was younger. So I'm writing them all down so that when I go back to them, I can say, oh, yeah, that's right. That was going to be a cool project. And so I handwrite all of that out. And it's just a quick note. It could be something so crazy, random. It could be a sentence or two of something that I like. Mm -hmm. And then I'll move on. That way I get it out of my head. I'm not focused on it anymore. And I can work on my project that I'm actively making. So then after that, I kind of hype myself up. I become my own hype man. I'll watch every video on YouTube about whatever revolves around that universe. I'll study anything that I can learn new because I like to have my characters know different skills. And I feel like that gives them more of a round feel than just a a static character. So I try to give each of them kind of an angle. For this second book of The Vacation Planet, I actually learned how to mix drinks so that I could describe a bartender. Research is more authentic, right? Yeah, researching has always been so much fun for me. When other kids were struggling in school because they had to look it up on their own, I was like jumping up and down saying, oh, man, this is going to be good. And this is before I was using Google. Yeah. <laughs> Once I get to that project that I've got the idea for, I'll say, hmm, what are good character names? What's a really cool scene that would just really grab the audience? What would really stand out? There are just different scenes that come up and I'm thinking, oh, man, I have to just really drive it home with that scene. I'm in love with that. So what I'll do is I'll have these scenes that I'm in love with. And this is where the planting comes in. I'll plot all these main points that I go with. And you actually also mentioned Save the Cat Writes a Novel. I'm also a huge fan of that book. And Mm -hmm. I'll flip through it just as a reference. I have a pretty basic idea on how to line up my project. But it just Mm -hmm. gives me something as a small guide. So I'll have these different plot points. I'll leave this big gap between the two plot points and I will completely improvise my way there. I'll get to a chapter and it's not necessarily a filler chapter. It needs to happen. Every chapter I write is supposed to have a purpose to the story. I want to be able to have a book where if you skip a chapter, you have no idea what's going on next. What I'll do is I just kind of improvise and I love the improvisation, but I feel that if you improvise too hard, you're going to find yourself in a corner and you're not really sure how to get out of it because you didn't have a guide. You didn't guide yourself through it. You need to just sit down and, and say to yourself, where is the story going to go? And I know there's a lot of successful people out there who pants it the whole time. I'm just not wired that way. Uh, I've always th- felt that what I'm doing is the way that works for me. So that's just how I do it. So, what I'll do next is when I'm writing the actual project, I'll have the notebook open and I have it all color coded with pens. Eventually, when I take out the black pen, that's when things are getting serious. That's when I'm <laughs> writing down. All my main points. That's when I actually start writing immediately after that, is when I'm satisfied with what the black pen has on paper. And so then every day, writing 2,000 words. And if you write 2,000 words a day, then you'll be done by the end of the month.
0: So it sounds very organized.
1: It sounds it, but it's a lot of it is just me screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I understand that too, because I like that in between part where, like, you know where the main things are, you know where you're going, you have your guideline. But to get that discovery and that, like, I find that exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You want to surprise yourself too.
0: Yeah. Uh, If you're not
1: making yourself cry, your audience isn't going to cry either. Uh,
0: Exactly. There's a scene in my
1: last book where I get a lot of hate mail about, but I love the hate mail I get for that scene because that's exactly the emotional response I wanted from it. Awesome. I encourage it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So then how has your journey to publication been for you?
1: It started off pretty tricky. I had no idea how to do it. I had seen other people self-publish and I had to research. I'm YouTube certified for a million things, I swear. There are so many things that are just self-taught and things I read in books, things I find online. I spend a lot of my time just researching how I can be better at what I'm doing. And I think it's our goal as humans to constantly better ourselves Mm -hmm. and constantly heighten what we're able to do, what we're capable of. A lot of it is kind of winging it and researching it, but ultimately researching it is my favorite part of the thing. So it's fun for me anyways. I published through uh, Amazon Prime. I I did it back when it was Create Space. It definitely got easier, but this last time I actually had this huge debacle with In the Sky, my latest novel. It was my biggest novel yet. So there was that I was very excited about. It had 110,000 words to it. My two novels before it... We're only a little over 50k each and I hired an artist and the artist got back to me faster than I expected with some fantastic art and Mm -hmm. I said well that was really fast and it raised a couple of red flags but I spent the money on it they seemed legit they had all kinds of glowing reviews so I said well maybe I'm just being paranoid and the day that I actually published it it was the same day I just still had that nagging feeling. So I reverse searched the image for the cover of my own book. And I found that it was a copyright image for a and d book.
0: Oh my goodness. And
1: it just threw me mm-hmm. so hard. It stressed me out so bad. It was so last second too because I, I needed an artist right that second. And it was published. People were ordering it. I had mm-hmm. announced it. People mm-hmm. had known about this. And so I said... There's only one thing I can do. So I made a live video of me explaining the whole debacle and what I just experienced. And I look at it now as it was something that was a learning experience. I need to be more thorough with who I go through. And it was so awful. I had to recall. It ended up turning to a limited supply because they had already printed some. Uh, And I fixed it. I actually, uh, my army buddy pulled through and he's a tattoo artist and he gave me the current cover for In This Guy and I think he did a pretty good job. I was really proud of him, especially since he got back to me the next day with it. So that was fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. he was really cool about it. And (laughs) I'm really close friends with another writer that's in the same town as me. And he came up to me with a hard cop and I still hate seeing the cover because it just reminds me of how mad I was. But he brings it up to me. He says, Will you sign the cover that you published and that was the bad cover? Yeah. Because there's only like 10 people have that copy. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe it'll be a collector someday if you they never get know. Our career. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, I think for me, the scariest thing about self-publishing is you do all of the work yourself. And if anything goes wrong,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: all on one person,
0: Yeah. the person
1: that cares about it most.
0: Oh my so. goodness. I can't even imagine.
1: I was pretty upset about that. Yeah. So I I ended up just uh, going with what my army buddy did. And it it kind of is special to me because it came from somebody who I was very close with. And we're still very close.
0: Well, it sounds like it worked out better for you then in the end. Even though it sucks that you had to go through that.
1: Oh my God, so much.
0: (laughs) But besides that, everything else has gone okay?
1: Other than that, uh, my editor is so sweet. I swear she's the sweetest person I know because she does almost all the edits. I run through my manuscripts twice before sending them to my editor. I don't really mess a whole lot with grammar stuff because I think that grammar is easier to fix. Mm -hmm. What I look for first is giant plot holes, character flaws, story arcs that don't go anywhere, things like that. In the Sky had a couple of really big ones that I didn't notice. And that's why I love having other people look at my work. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at criticism and Criticism really builds you as a person, too. You're not going to get any better if everyone's patting you on the back all the time. But she ended up formatting it after she was done editing, too. I paid her to do that. And she did a fantastic job with the formatting. Ultimately, my editor saved me a lot of time and headache by doing all the formatting and editing and stuff like that with me. And she Mm -hmm. was really great. So that made the whole process a lot easier for me. Uh, mm-hmm. That way I could just focus on sales and creating the project.
0: Awesome. I guess I don't need to ask you what kind of obstacles you ran into. <laughs> I <guess> you <laughs> just told me a huge one. Um, where do you see yourself as a writer in the next few years?
1: Like I said, I was not in a good headspace while I was active duty. I was a pretty uh, angry, self-destructive kind of guy. And I've changed a lot since then. And when I realized that I wanted to make a change in my life, I told myself that there's this thing that I'm so passionate about. I want to do this as a career. This is something that's so important to me. It's been important to me forever. It's It's been the one constant in my life. It's the one thing that someone can't really take from me unless they take my fingers off. I just had a moment to myself and said, you know, I want to publish one book a year and after I published The Vacation Planet, I realized it takes almost exactly one whole year for me to accomplish a publication. So I told myself, this is a realistic goal. So I put money aside to pay the editor, cover artists, etc., And then I work on the project. So eventually when I finish the project, all I have to do at that point is to hire the people I'm expecting to hire and then publish the thing. And it takes me one or two months to write each novel that I do. But Mm -hmm. what a lot of people don't see when they're reading a book is all of the work that goes into making it not crappy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There's so much work that goes into just editing alone. This is with me hiring someone to do the editing, but even just going over it yourself is just, that's the part to me that feels like work. That's like the work part of writing for me. My favorite part after writing the project and saying the end is actually finding the cover artist.
0: So what goes into hiring an artist? Like, How do you know that they're going to know what you want? Do they read the story first? Well,
1: that's the angle I tried to go at with Janie. I sent a manuscript or a large chunk of a manuscript of Janie to the cover artist. The problem is that is not everyone has time to sit down and read. Everyone is so busy which is one of the reasons why I put Vacation Planet on Audible. That's the best career decision I've ever made. And he just couldn't get to it. So what I did is I took all the scenes that had my character described, and I sent specifically that to my artist. And I literally took a piece of scrap paper, and I made the most crude sketch you can imagine on it. And I sent him a photo of that and said, can you make this? (laughs) And then what I got was the cover to Janie. And it is a beautiful cover. I'm so proud of him. But for me, hiring a cover artist is so much fun because everyone has such a different style. I get to go through these artists and figure which style matches what I think matches the story. Mm -hmm. And I think he absolutely nailed that with, with his cover. So that was fun. I don't really think it's really fair to bog down an artist. They have, especially if they're living off of commissions, they're getting commissions from other people for completely different things. I don't want to add to the stress. So I think what an artist is looking for from authors is, hey, just tell me what you want me to draw. So then I tell them what I want them to draw and then they do it. So far it's come out pretty good. That's kind of the the way that I go with the artists. Um, There's so many beautiful artists out there who do fantastic work. It's mind boggling what people are capable of doing with a pen. So I I do have a list of artists in mind that I definitely want to support by having them do book covers. But with the Vacation Planet, I have two books lined up with that. So I'm going to be hanging out with that artist for a couple more books at least. The artist who did Janie, he has such a distinct style that I feel like if I went through him again, people would think that any other book I write after Janie is going to be part of that as a series because his style is so unique. And and I love that about him. But I also have other artists in mind that I want to support. And I try to show a little love to all these independent artists who are just trying to get a gig. That's what I'm trying to do is try to stay local with the artists, just finding someone who who I think is a, a good artist that I think would represent my book well.
0: And how instrumental has the writing community been for you along the way?
1: The writing community has been such a fantastic thing for me. I mean, with thousands of other people who do the same craft as me, it's impossible not to find someone who doesn't relate to you in some way. This is what I love about having a craft, any art craft in common with someone else. You could be quilting and metalworking for all I know. But what what I love about it is... You could have two vastly different backgrounds. You could both have completely different belief system. You could have a completely warring political opinion over another and still meet together as like a unit and support each other over this thing that you both know is a struggle to do. And with me, what I found with writing community is while I don't agree with everybody's personality, I can always relate to what they're going through when they're creating the project and i love that about any art community that i've ever been involved with my dad is a craftsman he does mostly metal work but he and i will have a conversation over the phone and even if the t- we realize that it doesn't even matter what the art form is it's just relating over laboring over this idea that's in your head and you're just trying to make it exist so i created a twitter account in 2015 but I wasn't active on it. I just created it because that's what you do. It wasn't until this year that I actually was able to free up any space in my life to actually be active in the writing community. And I think that was one of the best decisions i made is just reaching out to people. I mean, I wouldn't have found you if I wasn't just scrolling Twitter. Mostly when I found you, I was trying to distract myself because I was in Boston for my daughter's cancer treatment. And I was like, I I really, really need to distract myself. So I ended up burying myself in work. I worked really hard on vacation planet too. And I I started talking to other people on Twitter and just anything to distract myself. What can I do for my career? I'm not using it as a stepping stone per se, but it definitely helps me get my work out there Mm -hmm. by speaking to someone who has a podcast. I think podcasts are the future. I feel like if I can speak to more people who are willing to have me, that's an opportunity that I don't want to turn down. I'm personally a big fan of podcasts. Sticking to the craft, you know, writing, like I said, is is the constant in my life. And that is ever since the fourth grade, apparently, mm-hmm. is the constant. So that's what I go to. And I actually left my last job because there's just a lot going on. I, I couldn't stay in work while going to Boston every other week. But eventually my wife and I sat down and we said, you know, what's best for essentially my mental health of stretching out too much. It's kind of like the token quote, too little butter over too much bread. Yeah, <laughs> And, and yeah. I was the butter on that situation. Now I'm a stay at home dad and writing is kind of my full time thing when the kids are in bed. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. I actually wrote the Vacation Planet during nap time. Yeah. Well, that works.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it sounds like it's been a... Not just a distraction, but it's helping further your career as well.
1: Oh, that's what's so cool about art is you can express yourself and sell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Especially with horror. It's not something I talk a lot about, but I was in an abusive relationship while I was in the military with my ex-wife. It was pretty nasty. And the outlet I had was writing. And so that's why a lot of this really, really gory, bloody... Disgusting stuff that I wrote was, you know, me expressing it's literally free therapy. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote Janie, I had a lot of insecurities about myself as a dad because I was finishing up my divorce and I had just become a, a sole custody dad. So it was mm-hmm. just me, uh, my wife, and my kids now. My ex isn't even allowed to be around the kids. So mm-hmm. it was me kind of realizing, okay, I have what I been fighting for and I had all these insecurities about what if I fail what if I mess this all up so Janie came a lot of the insecurities I had about being a dad at the time and I feel like I've grown a lot since I wrote Janie but I've heard a lot of people have been very very supportive about Janie uh there's there some reviews that I heard about it and it veers towards this isn't really horror this is more fantasy and I can kind of see it but it was absolutely an outlet for just, it was basically therapy for me. And that's what writing is, a form of expressing yourself. If you can be better at expressing yourself and using that art form to keep yourself mentally healthy, mm-hmm. then why not use it?
0: Absolutely. What do you think is most important for you in order to stay focused on your writing goals?
1: I think if you want to stay focused on your writing goals, it's important to have a plan during NanoRimo, I tell my kids, "Okay, you know what NanoRimo is? It's National Novel Writing Month. I'm going to be a hermit. Do you know what a hermit is?" <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of goes from there. Yeah. So basically, I end up living in the, a library that I built in the basement, and I end up staying down at my desk, and which is actually the same desk that I wrote my first novel on in a bookstore. I bought the desk from that bookstore because they saw how. Excited I was to come there every day and work. It's a fun little fact for you about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very important to have a plan. You say to yourself, okay, it's like anyone who has a gym membership. You can't go at a random time during the day. When you have time, you have to make time. You can't just sleep in until noontime, have to do all the stuff you have to do to accomplish all of your tasks for that day and still expect yourself to do more after that. You need to have a regiment. My regiment right now is when I'm working on a book. The kids are in bed, and I have four of them, so that's mm-hmm. a task in itself.
0: <laughs> I have five. And, I know what you mean. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So, so when they're all in bed, eventually I will grab. Uh, I'll grab like a tea or a beer or a cranberry juice. It doesn't matter what it is. I just want something to sip on while I'm mm-hmm. working. And I will sit at my desk. I will say to myself, I am not leaving this spot until I hit 2000 words. And then the way I do it is I break that down. It's like, like, how do you eat an elephant question? So I look at the little pieces and I say, okay, I got to 300 words. That is this percentage of this goal. I'll say, okay, I've been a three. There's only 200 more words until I hit five. So if I just blast through two paragraphs, I'll be at five, right? Mm -hmm. I get to 500 words. And I repeat that in my head. I'm obsessed with my word count goal, by the way. Mm -hmm. But it still gets the novel out. Well, this year for NaNoWriMo, I won on the 16th. Uh, I was writing more than 3,000 words a day. I got really into it.
0: Mm -hmm. Congratulations. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Thank you. So on the 16th, I looked at my word count and it said 60,000 words. And I said holy crap Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that started by me going 300 plus 300 plus 300 plus 300 and now yep. it's that it's it's insane that's why it's so important to have a goal when you're going to write something you can't just oh I'll do a little here I'll do a little there anyone who has any kind of art form knows that when you get into that headspace, it's really hard to get in that that zone you need to get in Mm -hmm. That specific zone where you just know what you're doing, and anything can wake you up out of it. I feel like I'm just a really easily distracted person. In fact, I have to keep my phone in the other end of the house just to keep me from checking it. I'll be 150 words in, and I'll check Twitter and go hashtag am writing, and then I put it down and just kind of hang my head in shame. No, (laughs) I'm not.
0: (laughs) So, do you ever experience writer's block? A lot of people don't like it, and they're like, "No, there's no such thing." But there are times where the ideas aren't coming, the words aren't coming. So do you experience that? And if you do, how do you work around it?
1: So the best example I can give is I was about 10 chapters from finishing Janie. I got to a certain point and I hadn't planned for, yes, I I, I had a goal that I was trying to get to and how I mentioned I improvised between those goals. Mm -hmm. I think that goal was too far from the first goal prior to it. I really had actually written myself into a corner and I ended up rewriting most of that chapter just to fix it. I can't even explain it because it gives away a pretty big spoiler, but it was really difficult for me to work through that. And, you know, like you said, a lot of people don't actually believe in writer's block. And I know there's a lot of people who really feel condescended to when they hear someone say there's no such thing as writer's block. I'm not going to tell someone else there's no such thing as writer's block, but I feel like if I tell myself there's such thing as writer's block, I'm picturing this giant cube in my head that stands in my way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that image takes place of the creative road you're trying to travel on. And I kind of fake it till I make it at that point. I'll come to that bend in the road and that giant cube is standing in front of me. And I just say to myself, it's not there. I'm just going to walk right into it. Mm -hmm. If you've ever seen... uh, if you've ever seen uh, The Men Who Stare at Goats, that's what I look like running into it sometimes. <laughs> I just slam right into that wall. You know, at least I went for it. Eventually, it's like the end of that movie. Sorry, it's been out for a while. I'm just going to spoil it. <laughs> he runs through the wall. And that's what it is. And I eventually do run through it. But the second that I start saying words like writer's block at my desk, nothing else moves. Like putting sand in an oil tank. Everything is just stopped at that point. I think it's really important to fake it till you make it sometimes. Mm -hmm. There are absolutely days that you're not going to feel like writing. There are absolutely bad times that you are just not going to be in the mood. I can't edit what's not there. I can't pay my editor to work on what my imagination is thinking. I just picture that I can walk through that cube. It's like the matrix. There is no spoon. There's nothing there. Just Mm -hmm. go through it. If you are having a hard time coming up with something to go through it, just kind of BS your way through that scene and then go back to it. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's an awful scene. There was a scene in uh, the book I'm writing now and it's in the climax of the story. (laughs) I hate it. I Mm had to rewrite so much of it because I hate it, but I didn't know what to do certain parts of that climax. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back through. I'm going to see what was wrong and I'm going to fix it. And that's what's important is, Continuing through that goal, I feel like a lot of what I say isn't just for writers. There are blocks in people who oil paint. You can't work on something that's not there. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to is getting it on paper. Just yeah. do it.
0: Absolutely. Love that answer. What has been the biggest learning curve for you since you started writing seriously?
1: Uh, the biggest learning curve for me personally would have to be Promotion. I have some serious imposter syndrome traits that I find in myself. And it does give me comfort that being in the community, you realize you're not by yourself with these feelings, but that doesn't take away from the the feelings you're having. So someone who I barely spoke to on Twitter recently did a blog for Janie and they gave it a really fantastic review. And I had this whole reaction of, uh, I don't remember who it was that was accepting the Emmy, but she did this whole... Uh, you like me, you really like me. That was was the feeling I had because I'm thinking when people read it, are they going to like it? Are they just patting me on the back because they know who I am? Are Mm -hmm. they giving me a good review because they know me personally? I tried to make an inspirational video on YouTube two, three years ago now. And the example I gave was who's worse, the person who is really out of shape and they're running a mile or the person who's in really good shape and they sit on their couch and laugh at the guy who's running right. a mile. Yeah. I mean, you want to be the guy who's running the mile even though it hurts, it really sucks to. At the end of the day, you're better than whoever's just staring at you and judging you for it because you're doing something for you. You're bettering yourself for it. And that's how you have to kind of go into it is being terrified of what other people think of your writing is such a massive killer to a lot of people's careers. I'll meet people who during NaNoWriMo is fantastic because that's when a lot of people come out of the woodwork with projects. People I never would have guessed who want to write a book are writing books. And I beta read for a couple of them. And I'll read it and say, this is fantastic. I love this scene. I love this scene. I love this scene. But one of the curses of being a beta reader is you also have to tell them what you think should be changed. And I think I'm pretty nice about how I word it. And some people just go off the handle and say, Oh, they hate it. I'm all done. I'm not going to put it for anyone else to see. And you can't have that mentality. You need to look back at your life and say, I dared. I stepped on the invisible bridge. I did that. It was terrifying, but I did it. Janie was actually about to not be published until my writer friend I mentioned earlier kicked me in the butt that entire time. It would not have been done because when I ran into that block, I said, I've never run into something like this. This scene is just crippling the story. And he single-handedly convinced me to just keep pushing through it. And eventually I did. Like a month later, I had a full manuscript in my hand. And again, this is why it's important to be involved with other people in the community. Because they can help you along when you are having a low. That's Mm -hmm. really important. The fact that anybody at all gives it a five-star rating just throws me so hard. Because I'm like, Mm me? You like my work? (laughs) I've read really good books and you don't like those. So like, why do you like mine? Mm -hmm. And I think imposter syndrome can kill a lot of careers. So it's important to know that while you're, you know, you're not alone with it. It's also really important to push through it and at least finish the project.
0: Absolutely. And who has been your biggest supporter in your writing?
1: Well, that's an easy one. (laughs) My wife absolutely been so supportive. She is in nursing school now. She's in her second year of nursing school. And I said to her, so right now I'm a stay-at-home dad to watch the kids while she's doing that school. I said to her one day, I can just find a job as soon as you're done with nursing school. And then she just gives me the most puzzled look on her face. And she says, why would you do that when you're going to be an author? You have to work on your writing career. I'm expecting you to work on books the whole time. How are you going to do that? with well, the full-time job. And I just was like, Oh God, I love you so much. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That, that was that
1: was that was a really special moment for me. She just mm-hmm. she says to me, you know, why would you get a full time job? Aren't you a writer? You yeah. have a job. Wow, that's that's awesome.
0: That's <laughs> so good to have that kind of support.
1: Yeah, awesome. it, it feels great to have people who do support you.
0: Um, and then you mentioned that you have four daughters as well. Are you seeing any interest in writing from them based on what you're doing?
1: So In the Sky was inspired by the three kids throwing three random ideas at me. My wife says to me, so The Vacation Planet and Janie are both a little too old for the kids. And they really want to read your stuff. And my kids are huge, huge, huge readers. They read so much. It makes me so proud to see my kids read so much. And Mm -hmm. it just kills them not to touch my stuff. I kind of just shrugged and said, yeah, you're right. I'll do something that I'm okay with my kids reading. And... So we're sitting at the dinner table, and this is when I only had three kids, and I look at the first one, and I say to my oldest, and I say, what do you like? And she's like, well, I love pirates. And I'm like, pirates? Oh, everybody loves pirates, right? Yeah. Pirates are cool. I look at the next one, and she's like, I like dragons. And I'm like, pirates and dragons? Oh, man, I love where this is going. This is going to be <laughs> so cool. And then I look at my third child, she says, I like cooking. <laughs> And I'm like, oh "Oh, crap, (laughs) I have messed up. (laughs) And so In the Sky is the result of that exact conversation. So I have three characters through it. One of them rides dragons. One of them is a pirate captain. I created like a Jim Hawkins kind of character with the third one. I think personally that that character, while they have like a smaller job, they're the most important person in the story because they uncover a lot of the major plot points in the story. But they're not just ships, they're airships. How would dragons and ships work together? And I thought about it and thought about it and I stayed up all night with it. And then I figured dragons fly,
0: mm-hmm. airships
1: fly, airships, ships, pirates run airships. So you have air pirate, sky pirates. Okay. So the sky pirates in world war one, the Germans dropped by wings out of the bottom of their Zeppelins. Mm-hmm. And I got the idea from that with the dragons. So the dragon riders will drop out on the backs of these dragons and have these aerial fights with these airships. It was a concept that I fell in love with. And I said, well, I got to go with that. In the sky is the result of that conversation and what I came up with.
0: That's amazing. That sounds so cool. It's awesome that you have that, right? You can always tell that story. This is the result of that conversation. And they're going to be able to look back on that too, right? That's really cool.
1: Writing it was the most fun I had had writing. It was just good, clean fun for me.
0: That mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's
1: bloodless. There's definitely blood and action. I mean, they're pirates. Like, you're yeah. going to run into some bad stuff. There A lot of intimate war scenery happens. It's not like a straight-up gore fest. It's not, you know, it's it's more of a fantasy novel for sure. That one has a special place in my heart because... Ultimately, it was just a fun project. I mean, the whole idea of like pirates and riding dragons, uh, there are so many opportunities with that.
0: And have they had a chance to read any of it?
1: Yeah, we were reading Wings of Fire, which is a really cute series. I love it. Mm -hmm. And we read so much Shel Silverstein that I actually have a lot of Shel's poems memorized. But that night they were like, no, we're going to read that book and Mm -hmm. we're going to read it now (laughs) they took the (laughs) shell server scene they took wings of fire and they're like no that book you wrote for us yeah I didn't forget you're gonna read that (laughs) okay so it's really fun because I can't like legally say that I base any characters off of anybody but they do get very excited when specific characters appear in a chapter and that is fun it Mm -hmm. makes it so personal to them because they're like oh my God, that is so classic Captain Harley or that, you know, that's the character's name. Should have seen that one coming. No, it's, <laughs> it's just really fun. My wife and I's goal is to have like a, a little like nuclear family. And I think we're doing pretty good with that. Mm-hmm. We we read at night and we play board games together. We try to have a lot of family time. And at the end of the day, any insecurities that I have about myself and as a writer, you know, I have them.
0: Yeah, uh, we that's all do. when they
1: come out in my writing. So I'll do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And then lastly, what would you say are your top five tips for new writers that are just starting out based on your experiences?
1: Well, based on my personal experience, I've learned a lot of stuff over the years, especially when I was a teenager and I was like a new budding writer. All of the stuff I was writing was crap because I just didn't know the rules. I didn't know grammar. I didn't know how to build a scene. So the first thing I learned That helped me improve. I saw my own writing increase in value as soon as I started doing show, don't tell. A lot of folks will just try to blast through this project, get it done, get it on the market and move to the next project. You don't want to do that. You want to show them the scene, put them in that scene. Don't just write the book to write a book and say you're an author. You want to enjoy it. Put me there. Put me in the scene. I want to smell how foul the sewer system is. I want to see how scary the height is. I want to feel how closed in the elevator is. I want to smell the guy's cigarette when he goes by me. Dialogue can be really important too, but when you create that scene and you really put your heart into the essence of that scene, you can make that scene really thrive. Lord of the Rings is a really good example because he described the Shire And I wanted so bad to live in the Shire because it just sounds like a paradise. I was in the scene. And when I left that scene, I like came back from a vacation because I loved it. That's why I'd have to say that's like the first thing that improves your writing. Use your senses and put yourself in your character's shoes. It, It just makes so much more of an impact being in the scene. So the second thing, you should let criticism build you. I have really done actually a lot of projects out of spite alone because i will see something somebody said that they were right to say the stuff they said about my projects and that made me want to prove them wrong in the next project i wanted them never to see that problem again i have always been a firm believer in pain being the best teacher nothing teaches you a lesson in life like something just kicking your butt and just throwing you to the curb it's like rocky says nothing is going to put you on your knees like life does and the lessons you learn from those criticisms are something you need to take with you don't be bitter you need to take that criticism and say that's how i can be the best writer in the world Mm -hmm. you want to take everything you hear and just try to compile it as best you can and if the criticism is unjust just prove them wrong Make your next project your banger. You want to make your next project and just constantly build on what you can do. That means that you're growing as a writer. It's right. important to build off the criticism and don't let your enemy see you bleed kind of deal. You want to thrive on that criticism. I can't think of a moment in my life where I didn't grow as a person from being beat down by life in general. I mean, I, I mentioned my daughter's cancer and, and that taught me a lot about myself. And I just thought I already knew myself pretty well but I've learned a lot about myself and all those things I know about myself and what I'm capable of comes from being taught really hard lessons along the way. Mm -hmm. And I think that instead of shying from those hard lessons, we should learn from them. Number three, I would say that you need to keep the passion in your project. We all started writing for a reason. And I feel like somewhere along the way we lost that passion. We got caught up in life. We became adults. We had responsibilities. And it's okay to have responsibilities and be an adult, but you still want to look forward to your project. You don't want to dread going home after a long day. And trust me, I've had these days. You don't want to go home dreading that you have to work on your project. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. You can stop right then and just fail the project. You can. You can choose whether you want to enjoy the escape you get from your crappy day, or you can just treat it like it's work. And... I think that we should not dread the journey of our project. You need to instead look forward to your project. Your plot gives you a map and your imagination gives you the compass. All you need to do is tie your boots on and keep walking. Mm -hmm. Tell yourself, you know, the 300 words, just one more step, just one more step, just 300 more. And somewhere along the way, we just just lost what made us excited about writing as a craft.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: people need to discover that excitement again. For me, I try to keep that like childish energy. I want to go on the adventure. And that's really important to me is being motivated about your project. Writing should never be something that you should be disdainful of. And I think that when you start finding writing disdainful, you need to work on something else. And I don't mean writing a whole nother book. I mean, just pulling out a pen and a paper, going really old school with it and just writing your thoughts down. And for me, that's a really good icebreaker from when I'm starting a really hard scene. For me, I don't really like a lot of scenes that have a lot of dialogue. But my second book, I've had a lot of dialogue. And so I broke out. I have this notebook and a pen. It's my warm-up. I'll write down all the things that I just feel about how I'm going to write. And how I write it is between me and the notebook. And then I just get to work. That's how I express my insecurity before working on the project sometimes. It's just a warm-up. Someone once told me, you never want to compare your behind the scenes to someone's final product. You'll go to conventions and you'll see people who have years and years of work on the table in front of them. And it's all so beautiful. It's gorgeous. I love going to cons. But what you don't see is the 60 hours they put into painting that one piece of art. What you're not seeing is all the nights where they stayed up late thinking about our project and said, I should just quit. You don't see all the hardships that they have when they're, they're working on a $500 commission and their computer crashes. You don't see that. You see what their final product is. And people constantly compare themselves to other people. It's just the way our society is built. And I think it's really important to just work on your behind the scenes, make your behind the scenes perfect so that when you do have your final product, it looks better. You don't go to a play where the curtains are in the background and there's no, and the cardboard doesn't have paint on it and stuff like that. That person put work into behind the scenes to put that on that stage. And you never want to compare what you're going through as a difficult time to what someone is smiling about on Instagram. Everyone has a pain that they're hiding. Just, just keep it in mind that someone worked really hard to get as good as they are. And you can be that good too, if you put in the work too.
0: Exactly. That's super important.
1: I think the last thing I would mention that was something I kind of figured out on my own, just from my own experience with writing and criticisms I've gotten before, is you want to write each character like they're the main protagonist. I would say even especially the villains. My favorite example that I like to use for this is in the movie *Inglorious Bastards. The villain, even though he's a Nazi, he is my favorite part of that movie because he is such a living, full rounded villain. He's not depicted as just a guy who marches up to someone and shoots them. He has depth. He's terrifying because of the depth of the character that you know what you know about him. And he explains that, well, he was a detective once and being a Nazi just came naturally to him because his goal is to find people. And yeah, sure, that's his backstory. But he doesn't see that as a bad thing. He doesn't see that, that hunting human beings is awful. He sees it as just a job. And he doesn't think he's a bad guy. He right. thinks he's a good guy. Everybody's the, the protagonist in their own story. So you'll have characters in like a fight scene and somebody dies. And if the character says something like, I'm sorry, honey, I, I'm not coming home. And then they die. You have immediately added depth to the character you just killed and you don't even know their name making every character their own protagonist just makes the world feel like it has breath there's a moving world around you it's really hard to do sometimes and i understand that but ultimately if you go into it with the mentality of he's not just the bad guy he thinks he's the good guy and i'm the bad guy it just makes every character more believable
0: oh definitely those are awesome tips So that's all the time we have for today. So thanks so much, Joseph, for chatting with me and sharing some tips and a part of your writing journey.
1: Thank you so much again.
0: And thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and tune in next week for another fantastic author interview. And remember, keep being badass.